this week he returns. He's been doing a global leadership conference out there. So keep him in your prayers. But today, this morning, I have the honor and privilege of bringing you the word. My name is Christian LeBron. I am the worship pastor here at the Mission Church. And I'm excited what God's going to do today. Come on, are you expectant? Are you ready? Man, I feel, the, I feel that faith is rising in the room today as we were singing those songs of faith. Believing that he's going to move in a powerful way in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Won't you go ahead and take your seats. Thank you, worship team. You guys did amazing. Wow. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 6, verses 45 to 52. Mark chapter 6, 45 to 52. The title of my message today is Walk on Water. Come on, say, Walk on Water. Oh, we can do a little better than that. Walk on Water. Come on now, some of y'all might know this story as you're turning to it. This is the story where Jesus does one of the most amazing miracles in front of his disciples, where he literally defies the laws of nature. Granted, he's the one that created everything, so he can pretty much do anything he wants. But the disciples tangibly see him walking on the water. And this is what it says. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethesda while he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. And late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake. And Jesus was alone on the land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. And about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. He intended to go past them, but when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were terrified when they saw him, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then he climbed the boat, and the wind stopped. And they were totally amazed, for they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take in. Walk on water. There's three different accounts of this story in the gospel of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and John. And each, each account gives a, a different detail of how this story transpires. And we're, we're reading in the, in the account of Mark. And to give you a little bit of a background of a couple stories before this actual one, we see early in Mark chapter 6 that the disciples just came out of a ministry tour. What's a ministry tour? Jesus took his disciples and he gathered them and he said, hey guys, you're going to go out two by two to different villages and you're going to do all these miracles in my name, right? So reminder, this is before this happened, right? Two stories before this happened. Jesus tells the disciples, two by two, you're going to go to villages, you're going to cast out demons, you're going to heal people, you're going to tell people to repent of their sins in my name. So the disciples do that. Two by two, they go out. And then we read in Mark chapter 6 that disciples, they come back to Jesus and they're excited to tell him everything that they've done. It says in the gospel that they were about to tell Jesus, they were actually telling Jesus all the miracles and the signs and wonders that they were doing in his name. And Jesus looks at his disciples and says, you know what, guys, let's, let's get in a boat and let's go out and let's find a place where we can rest a little bit. Because I know y'all just poured out. You guys have been going two by two to different villages with the clothes on your back. And you're probably a little bit tired, so let's go, let's go find a place of rest. And we continue reading Mark chapter 6. It says that people recognized them, granted, because they were doing all of these miracles. It says that people recognized them, 
And it actually says that people actually ran ahead and met them at the shoreline of where they were going to take place and rest. And this is the story, some of you might be familiar with this story of where Jesus multiplies the five loaves and two fishes. Come on, how many know that story? He, he feeds the 5,000 plus. So Jesus sees this crowd and, and it says in the Bible that he has compassion on them. He sees the crowds and he has compassion on them. And it says that, it, the gospel says that he has compassion on them because they felt like, he felt like they were sheep without a shepherd. And long story short, the disciples are there, Jesus is there, and he multiplies. Jesus multiplies five loaves, two fishes, feeds 5,000 plus people. Can you imagine that, church? 5,000 plus people, Jesus feeds, multiplies, amazing miracle. And then we come to this part that we just read, Mark chapter 6, verse 45. And they're about to go off. They're saying goodbye to everyone. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, get back into the boat. Head to Bethesda. While I stay, I'm going to pray a little bit. But you guys go back into the boat. For some reason, that phrase has captured me. Get back into the boat. Get back into the boat. I wonder how the disciples must have felt when Jesus said, get back into the boat. Okay, so pure speculation. But I wonder if there was a little bit of resistance. I mean, think about it. The disciples, they just finished a ministry tour. They're exhausted. They poured out everything. They're about to go to a place of rest. And then on the shoreline is 5,000 people plus waiting to get ministered to. So they're saying, okay, Jesus, we'll, we'll follow you. We'll do this. And then they feed the 5,000. And now Jesus says, maybe in their minds they're thinking, okay, now we can finally rest. Now we can take a break. But then Jesus looks at them and says, get back into the boat and head to Bethesda. Get back into the boat. I wonder if the disciples felt, Jesus, but like we have nothing else to give. Like we just poured out everything. We ministered. We served. We did all of these things. And now you're telling us to get back into the boat. If you look at boat, I mean the boat is a symbol of work. Think about it. The disciples were fishermen. Most of them were fishermen. So the boat was either a symbol of getting from one place to another, which is work. Or for the disciples' sake, this was their main occupation, fishermen. So the boat doesn't equate rest. The boat equates more ministering, more serving, more doing. And again, they just poured out everything, gave everything. God did amazing things. I mean, it was an amazing high of a season of miracles, signs, and wonders. And maybe they felt like, you know, we're going to take a little break now. But Jesus says, get back into the boat. But I got nothing else to give. And for me personally, church, like, Going into this week, you know, you just heard Pastor Sandy talk about how we're getting ready for these songs, and we're excited, and we're, you know, and that's the truth. Like, personally, I'm excited about this Friday. I believe God's going to move in a powerful way. But there's also that sense of, man, I'm, I'm a little tired, though. I'm a new dad, okay? So I'm trying to figure out how that all works. Balancing life, balancing ministry, balancing trying to be a great dad, balancing trying to be a, a, a faithful and good husband, and all of those things. And even personally in my life, like these past three months have been amazing. God in ministry, God has been doing amazing things. We just got back from a network conference where our team did worship. April was amazing. We had an amazing Easter leadership conference. I mean, all of these things that has happened in these past three months have been amazing. But also, I resonate with the disciples in that I'm a little tired. 
because I feel like I got nothing else to give. And I remember bringing this to the Lord last week and saying, Lord, I, we got a big week next week. And I feel like I got nothing else. I've been pouring out, pouring out, pouring out. And I feel like I got nothing else, Lord. I need you to show up. And I wonder if today you feel like you got nothing else to give. You feel a little empty. You feel like you've poured out. You've been faithful. You've been serving. You've been doing X, Y, and Z for the Lord. It's been amazing. But you feel like, man, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit tired, God. I don't know. You're, and I hear your voice. I hear your voice saying, get back into the boat. I wonder if the Lord brings us to this place for a reason. I wonder if this is where actually the Lord really wants us. A place of dependency. A place of need. Because here's the reality. Our lack creates an opportunity for his abundance. That's why the Bible says, he shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. My need creates a dependency. That's why the Psalm says, as the deer pants for water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul longs for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I need you. That's why Moses, when he was having a conversation with the Lord, God is saying, you know what? You guys go to the promised land. You guys go. And Moses said, no, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, if it doesn't go before us, I don't want to go. I can't go. And I wonder if God, I wonder if the Lord would want us in a place of constant need, of constant dependence. Because when we start to realize that, okay, all my ducks are in order, all the songs are finished, all the lyrics are finalized, all the logistics are taking place, this is me personally speaking for this Friday, all of these things are taking care, then you know what, there's a little bit of, okay, we got this, we got this. And I wonder if God is saying, no, Chris, I want to I deplete you of everything that's of your own strength so that you don't rely on your ability and your talent, but you rely on the strength of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside. Does it live in you, church? I wonder if he's asking us, am I all you need? Or do you got it? Get back in the boat. What do you do, church? What do we do when we find ourselves in a place of need, when we find ourselves asking God these questions of, are you sure I feel like I got nothing else? What do we do? Get back in the boat. When Jesus says, get back in the boat, what do we do? We get back in the boat. You know what's interesting is that Jesus, it says, this is what the writer says, Jesus insisted that they get back into the boat. That's what it literally says in Mark chapter 6. Jesus insisted that they get back into the boat. Insisted means to demand forcefully. In other words, there was an urgency that Jesus was wanting to do through his disciples. But in order for them to reveal the fullness of who he was, he had to tell them, just get back into the boat. I wonder what boat Jesus is asking you to get back into today. For me, it's this week. God, I got nothing else, but you're telling me to get back into the boat. You're telling me to get up early and start to write more songs. God, you're telling me I'm empty, I'm empty, but I'm relaxed. Chris, get back in the boat, get back. What boat is God asking you to get back into the boat today? Maybe you've neglected prayer. Maybe you've neglected reading your word. Maybe there's some gifts that are lying on the inside of you. You've been coming to church for a while, and God is saying, I've deposited some gifts on the inside of you that are waiting to be waiting to be at work to build my kingdom. Maybe it's getting back into the boat of serving his house. Maybe it's getting back into the boat of being faithful in your marriage. 
You've tried everything. And it feels like all hope is lost, but you hear the Father, you hear Jesus saying, hey, I know that you're trying, I know that you've been working, I know that you've been pouring out, but I'm here to tell you, get back in the boat. You know what's interesting? That Jesus never said what was going to happen to the disciples. We know because we can see it. Literally, the next verse, we see that disciples are in a storm. Three o'clock in the morning. It's dark, it's cold, it's windy, and you see them trying to struggle. And it's funny because Jesus said, hey, he didn't say, hey, guys, I'm about to do something you've never seen before. I'm literally going to defy the laws of nature and walk on the water. So heads up, before you get back in the boat, I just want to let you know that you're going to hit a storm, you're going to hit some trials and tribulations, right? You're going, to get a, you're going to get a report from the doctor, right? You're about to, he didn't do any of that. What did he do? He, all he said was get back in the boat. Get back in the boat. There was something that Jesus wanted to reveal to his disciples that they haven't seen in Jesus yet. There was an urgency. Because here's the reality. Just because we get back into the boat, just because we might say, okay, I'll get back, I'll be listen, I'll listen, I'll be fa-. it doesn't mean that it's gonna be a smooth ride. Doesn't mean that following Christ, everything's gonna be perfect. That's why we say when you raise your hand and say yes to Jesus, that moment essentially is the easy part. The hard part is when you leave this place and your Monday is knocking on the door. When we Live this life. There will be trials and tribulations. But what did Jesus say? He said to take heart because I have overcome. You see, the reality is that sometimes Jesus will lead us in seasons that don't make sense, that are overwhelming, to reveal the fullness and the strength of who he is. We get stronger not by walking around the storms. We get stronger by walking through the storm. Sometimes the only way out is through. And in order for us to shout and declare that I am an overcomer, there are things that we are going to face that require us to overcome. Get back in the boat. Don't quit your post. Trust him and get back in the boat. So what do we do? We find ourselves in the boat. We, 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 we said yes. We were obedient. We got back in the boat. And now we find ourselves in the storm that was unexpected. Right? How many wish you can know when the storm's happening? Wouldn't that be awesome? And here we find ourselves in the middle of the storm. What do we do? We remember what he's done. Remember what he's done. Yeah. I know that sounds really simple. But there's something very powerful when we remember what he's done. Me and Sandy have a really good friend. And um, she is Messianic Jew. She loves the Lord, believes that Jesus is the Messiah. And um, she, is, uh, she, she outworks her, her heritage yearly. So every year she celebrates Passover. And one year she invited me and Sandy to come over. So those of you that don't know who, what Passover is... Passover is a celebration, a week-long celebration that will commemorate the deliverance of Israel out of Egypt. Israel was in bondage to Egypt for 400 years, and it says in the Bible that God miraculously delivered them out of Egypt. 
So Sarah, our friend, invites us over, and in this Passover, they, they celebrate this, this deliverance. They, what they do is they, they remember and recount through ritual, through song, and through food. Hallelujah, food. They, they recount all that, all that God has done. And it was so beautiful. I remember being there just amazed at the whole process and how she sung a song in Hebrew. And she started recounting, she opened this book, she started remember, and she started recounting in Hebrew and translating to us what the Lord did. Remember when God delivered us from the Red Sea? Remember when, when he sent the ten plagues to, to, the, to the king of Pharaoh so that way he would let us go? Remember when he led us through the wilderness but with, a, with a cloud in the day and a pillar of fire by night? Remember when he, when he, uh, when he, when he gave us the ten commandments? Remember when he revealed his glory? You see, there's a power when we remember what he's done because remember it's an act remembering is an action it's not passive it's a choice that we have to make remembering his goodness remembering his faithfulness and i believe that the lord is saying here today remember what i've done so you can press on to what's ahead remember what i've done so that way you can press on to what's ahead that's why we have communion once a month as a church that's why we gather, we have, the, we have the bread that we can never open quite right, right? We have the juice, we have all of that stuff. Why? Because in the middle of our business and our lives and our anxiety and the things that are surrounding us, we stand and we say, you know what, Lord, I'm choosing today to remember the cross of Calvary. I'm choosing to remember what you did for me 2,000 years ago. I'm choosing to remember that not only did you conquer death, you conquered death, hell, and the grave. You rose up three days later. So that means if you overcame, I can overcome. No matter what's around me, I can stand here today and tell you that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives inside me. See, what happens when we remember something happens on the inside. We stop, we stop trying to fight the storm. You see, this, it says in Mark chapter 6 that the disciples, they were rowing hard and struggling against the wind. They were trying to fight that storm on their own strength. But when you start to remember what he's done, you realize the strength that lives inside of you. The Spirit of God. So that sounds good. And you're probably like, cool, Chris, like, but you don't know. You don't know what I'm walking through right now. And I don't. I don't. And you might find it hard to sit down and just force yourself to remember. I know that there are moments in my life, even last week, where I had a hard time just bringing any words to God because I had none. What do we do? What do we do when we don't have words? The Bible says that when my soul is weary with sorrow, Strengthen me according to your word. So you know what I did? I Googled, I know, right? Super spiritual, right? I Googled scriptures on faith, scriptures on courage, scriptures on running the race. And as I started to read out loud these passages of scripture, Something started happening on the inside. I wonder if the reason you're feeling so anxious and so down and so worried is because you failed to open this Bible and declare the promise over your life. There's something powerful, not when you take this Bible and you start to read it, and I would even challenge you, not even just read it on the inside, but start to read it out loud. 
So that way your soul, your spirit, even the devils that are surrounded you can hear the word, can hear the power of the truth. And you know what I started doing? I started declaring the word of God out loud. I almost woke up baby Mia. I started saying, Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives your sins, heals all your diseases, redeems you from the pit, crowns you with loving, tender mercies, who satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. I start to read Psalms that say, the Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my shield, my stronghold. And then something starts to happen on the inside. And I start to say, you know what, Psalm 46, the Lord is my strength and my refuge, my ever-present help in time of trouble. Therefore, I will not fear when the earth give way and mountains fall into the heart of the sea because I trust in the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I start to remember Psalm 59 verse 16, but I will sing of your strength in the morning and declare your praises in the night. And then I get to my favorite passage of scripture, Psalm Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You know, when I start to declare that, then I start to remember my testimony. I remember what he's brought me from. I remember the things that he set me free from. And then I start to remember, you know what? I'm remembering my family's testimony. My mother and father, the 18 years old, had a baby on the way, living in New York City in the projects, lost in the sauce, broken, living in rebellion, no way out. But now here stand today because of the blood of Jesus, because of what he's done, right? Y'all hired him as youth pastors. I start to remember. I start to remember what he's done and a faith arises on the inside. And some of you guys just have to remember. How do we remember? We start opening the word. When we start opening the word and declaring the promise of God, something happens. Remember. Remember, church. When you find yourself doubting, remember that he is the way, the truth, the life. When you find yourself weak, remember who is strong. When you find yourself insecure, remember where your help comes from. When you find yourself empty, remember who is your portion. Remember. So we get back in the boat. We remember what he's done. And last, we watch him pass by. Mark 6, 48. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. And it says this, he intended to go past them. When I read that at first, I was very confused. That doesn't sound like the Jesus I know. When you read at surface level, it would seem that Jesus was walking, intending to walk past them to abandon them. I mean, you think about the disciples. I mean, I feel for them. They've poured out everything. They've gave, like, they left their lives behind. Their occupations, their families, they're following this man named Jesus, right? They've done all these amazing miracles. Jesus says, get back into the boat. Okay, we'll get back into the boat, right? And now they're here, and they're in the middle of the storm, probably dazed, confused, wondering if they're going to drown. Peter's cursing up a storm. You know what I mean? Like, they're in the middle of a storm. And then Jesus, in Mark chapter 6, it says that he intended to pass by them. At first, it seems insensitive. 
And I asked the Lord, man, that kind of seems cruel that you would intend, like it was your intention to just, hey guys, walk, walk right by them. But check, check this out. The phrase to pass by was used in the tradition of the action of God and his appearances to both Moses and Elijah who were two prophets. So in other words, the MO of how God revealed his glory, revealed his strength, revealed who he was, was by passing by. We see in Exodus 33 where Moses encounters God's glory. And this is what he says, speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he says, all of my goodness is going to what? Pass by you, right? He even goes on to say this, I'm going to reveal all my glory and it's going to pass by. We see in 1 Kings, now we're, we're moving to Elijah the prophet, right? And this is, what, this is what God says, go and stand on top of the mountain, and I'm going to pass by. We see in John 1, the author writes this, uh, John the Baptist, it says that he saw the Lord pass by, and then the revelation came, behold, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We see in Luke chapter 18, the blind man, he hears the crowds talking about this Jesus that was about to pass by and in his desperation knowing that the healer was in the room calls out in mercy son of david have mercy on me what am i trying to say that there was a significance in jesus's intention to pass by the reality is the disciples were hebrew so they were very familiar they were brought up to learn the passages of moses and elijah they would have been very familiar with that phrase to pass by so when Jesus says, when Mark says in, in Mark chapter 6 that Jesus' intention was to pass by, it wasn't that Jesus was trying to abandon his disciples. It wasn't him trying to say like, oh, I see you guys are in the middle of the storm and I'm going this way. No, Jesus was trying to show his disciples that the very person that you've been reading about, the very person that you've been studying about, the glory that you've only read about is literally about to walk right by you. And I can I tell you that this morning, church, that you might feel in this season of your life that the Lord has walked away. You might feel like you're empty. You might feel like he's saying, you know what, I see that you're going through a storm and you know what, I'm just going to pass by you. Can I encourage you today? Just like that night that Jesus' intention was to pass by them, not to leave them, but to show them who he was. In order for us to see the fullness of who he is, we need to take our eyes off of the storm that is around us and watch the Savior pass by. Because when we see him pass by, we not only see the fullness of who he is, but we see him walking on top of the very thing that is scaring us, the very waters, the very waves, the very wind that is causing you to be weary, that is causing you to have depression, that is causing you to be suicidal. He is walking on top of it. Watch him walk by. Watch the Savior walk by and see what he does. He walks on the very thing that you're afraid of. And he was trying to show his disciples, he was trying to show them, you see these waters and these waves? I'm walking on top of it. Worship team, let's go. We're not done yet, church. And you know what's amazing? We read in Matthew's account the same story about the guy named Peter. We love Peter. 
We probably wouldn't have liked him if we'd met him back in the day. But when we're reading here, we like him. And it says that Peter hears Jesus saying, don't be afraid. Take heart. I'm here. Don't be afraid. And this is what Peter says. He says, if it's you, if it's really you, tell me to come. You know what's interesting? Of all things to pray, he didn't pray. God, if it's you, take the storm away. God, if it's you can, you, can you take it away? Can you take this pain? Can you take what I'm walking through? Can you just make it disappear? God, I'm struggling. I'm hurting. God, can you make You know what he said? He said, if it's you, then Lord, tell me to walk. Tell me to walk on the water. And I wonder if in that moment there was something on the inside of Peter that caused him to say, you know what? Yeah, I could pray that he could take away the storm. But you know what? I'm going to say if he can do it, that means I can do it. If he can walk on top of those waters, then maybe I have the power to walk on top of those waters. And I wonder if today, church, God is asking, hey, I don't want you to pray to take away the storm. What if God is saying, hey, I want you to have the faith to believe that, hey, God, give me the power not to walk around the storm, but to walk on top of it. Because I've seen you do the miracles. I've seen you do the miracles and signs and wonders. And if you can do it just like Peter, I can do it. If you can overcome, I can overcome. Come on, let's stand to our feet this morning. Jesus is not abandoning you today. Jesus is not leaving you behind today. In fact, quite the opposite. Jesus is walking right by you. So that way you can see the miracle worker at work. That's why when we declare this song that he's the way maker, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness, we start to remember who our God is. And that gives us the courage to be able to do all that we have been destined to do. How do I know this? Because the Bible says that signs and wonders will follow those that believe. In fact, they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. They'll cast out demons in his name. Deadly poison, they won't even come harm to them. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives inside of me this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So come on, all across the room, can we bow our heads? Close your eyes. And right now, I just want you to thank him. Just thank him. The Bible says that thankfulness is the key into his presence. So right now, just thank him. No matter what you're going through, I know I don't want to diminish. I'm not here to diminish your pain, and neither is the Lord. But in this moment, just thank him that you're in the room today. Thank him that you have breath in your lungs. Thank him that he's with you even though when you don't feel it, when you don't see it, he's with you. Come on, just thank him. Thank you. Come on. Right now, even can I challenge you to open your mouth and thank him? Come on, let him hear you today. Come on, no more on the inside. Come on, thank him for who he is. 
Come on, just like the people of Israel every year would celebrate what he did in Exodus. Come on, thank him out loud for the miracle. Thank him, thank him. God, I thank you for waking me up this morning. I thank you for my right mind. I thank you for my two eyes to see. I thank you that my heart beats without me even thinking about it. God, I thank you that I made it to church today. And Lord, I thank you that you're the miracle worker. God, I thank you that you're walking right by me so I can see you do your work. God, I thank you. So now as you thank him, lift up your hands and worship him. Come on, worship him for who he is. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we magnify you. Jesus, you are worthy of our praise. Come on, sing Waymaker. Come on, say. Waymaker, miracle church. promise keep light in the darkness, my God.
as we finish up these songs and get ready for Friday. And then that number two, you will come on Friday because we need your voice. All we're going to do Friday is worship and just hit the record button. That's what we're going to do. And this is our project, church. This isn't Chris' project. This isn't the mission worship. This is our project that we get to give to the Lord and then eventually give to the nations in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So listen, this Friday, don't come. Don't come thinking that I'm going to give you something. Don't come and be like, oh, man, I can't. I just, I just want to hear a new song, a cool song. No, I want you to come expectant for the glory of God to show up in a way that he's never shown up before in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you one more time before you go. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would cover every person in the room. God, give them grace for their Monday. Give them grace for the rest of this week, everything that they're walking through today. You're, you already know. God, you already know what's happening. And I pray that you would just give them the faith to remember that you're for them and not against them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everyone shout it. Amen. Come on, everyone shout it. Amen. 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 God bless you.